0: I used to think I could write jokes. Used to scribble things down on my little yellow pad. Observations about dates I went on or airplane peanuts. But over the last six months, that enthusiasm has all but left me. I'd pushed myself to the breaking point and was now no more than a punchline. I'm Maury Kagan. You're listening to Things You Don't Need to Know. And this is the time I tried to write a joke joke. Smash cut to September 2020. I'm on the phone with my producer, Harry Nelson. I'm talking into my phone. Things are good. We're way ahead of schedule and ideas are coming thick and fast like a volcanic eruption. What am I supposed to say? What's your line for me? We come up with an episode where I write a joke. And then that joke becomes really popular. And it circles the world twice before coming right back to us. You know, a joke joke, which apparently is a street joke, but I... I'm just going to keep calling it a joke joke because I feel like it. The best way I can explain it is something that's passed on for generations. It's the type of thing you tell at a bar or a dinner party or your deathbed where it's a sure thing everyone will laugh. And look, I knew this wasn't going to be easy, but I also knew these jokes weren't going to write themselves. So I accepted the challenge, came up with a few jokes, and within a week I was on the phone with the head writer of SNL from 1998. He's also my boss.
1: My name is Adam McKay. Uh, I was raised around Philadelphia. I currently reside in Los Angeles, where I uh, write and direct movies and also produce.
0: So I've prepared a few jokes for you. Let me know if you think any of them are funny. Uh, can I
1: try and guess the punchline? I like trying to guess the punchline sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah, go for it. What do you call headphones that don't work? Earmuffs. Phones. Ah, OK. All right, here's another one. What do you call a girl at the beach? girl at the beach. I, I don't even have a guess on this one. I don't know what. Sandy.
1: Yikes. Wow. I feel like that that joke wouldn't get a laugh in, like, 1808. Guys at the Battle of Shiloh would have been like, that's not funny, man. That's really weak.
0: What do you call missed by a hair? I know, some kind of pun involving the word rabbit. A bald spot.
1: Whoo, Man. I mean, maybe like... President McKinley
0: might have smiled at that? Feeling embarrassed I had just pitched my awful jokes to a supporting actor in the critically acclaimed 2007 comedy sketch, The Landlord, and fearing for my job, I thought it might be best to go back to the drawing board. And thus, I fell down the rabbit hole. Past the knock-knock door, piles of puns, and yo mama. When I finally completed my descent. I was at the feet of the oldest jokes in history, things that were just as relatable then as they are today. I'm speaking, of course, of toilet humor. The oldest recorded joke was found on a Sumerian tablet from 1900 BC. It reads, what's something which has never occurred since time immemorial? This is where the other person says, I don't know what. A young woman, did not fart on her husband's lap. Something must have gotten lost in translation. Most jokes worth passing on for millennia are based around things that will probably never go out of style. Farting, pooping, having sex, or a trip to the barber shop. The Roman joke book, Philogolos, roughly translated to laughter lover, contains more than 250 jokes back from when years had less than four digits. I'm going to read a joke from it now. A man goes to get his hair cut. The barber asks, how should I cut your hair? And the man replies, in silence. The book itself is split into sections. The first hundred or so have a Greek character called Scholastikos, someone who uh, is so clever that he is stupid. Here's an example. A Scholastikos went for a dip and nearly drowned. So he swore he'd never go near water again until he learned to swim. The second contains a range of other characters, but mostly people from the city of Abdera, located in what is now northern Greece, and I can only assume is the ancient Roman equivalent of Florida Man. What I find interesting is how Phologolas is over a thousand years old, yet it's a joke book. Maybe I'm just young, but when I think of joke books, I think something that's like a hundred years old, not thousands. But it could go back much farther. Gorillas, bonobos, orangutans, and chimpanzees, shout out to Joe Rogan, all show laughter-like vocal responses to physical contact such as wrestling, play chasing, or tickling. Tickling has actually come up a lot in my research for this episode, and that's because it's something that nearly everyone laughs at. Tickling activates the hypothalamus. I think I got that right. Which is a part of your brain responsible for the fight-or-flight response. You might not be having fun, but you're still laughing because it's an automatic response. This is the part of the episode where I set up a tickle bot in the back of everyone's seat. Whenever I tell a joke, they activate, and uh, we all laugh our way into me getting another stand-up gig. (laughs) Of course, that would probably be terrifying. When a friend tickles you, you feel safe. When a stranger on the subway or a ticklebot tickles you, it's very unsafe. The safe versus unsafe idea was expanded upon by Sigmund Freud, who saw laughter as a form of relief. Basically, we need a release from built-up tension or uncomfortable situations and laughter is a way of cleansing our system. Another theory surmised by ancient Greek philosophers argues all laughter is an expression of superiority, laughing at rather than with. However, this doesn't explain why we laugh at puns. The third major theory suggests laughter as a response to the illogical or unexpected. Ladies and gentlemen listening to my podcast, I present to you this quip from David Mitchell.
2: What's the most complex thing you do in your
0: kitchen?
1: Worry about death. (laughs)
0: All this being said, why we actually laugh at jokes is unclear. Everyone seems to have a different sense of humor anyway. Some of us don't even know when to laugh. (laughs) In 2001, Richard Wiseman and the British Science Association joined forces to scientifically find the world's funniest joke. They surveyed over 1.5 million people and found the following. The funniest jokes are on average 103 letters long, people laugh the most at 6.03 PM, and ducks are the funniest animal. They also found this to be the funniest joke in the world. Two hunters are out in the woods when one of them collapses. He's not breathing and his eyes are glazed. So his friend calls 911. My friend is dead. What should I do? The operator replies, calm down, sir. I can help. First, make sure that he's dead. There's a silence, and then a loud bang. Back on the phone, the guy says, Okay, now what? The first time I heard that, I smiled. I didn't laugh, but I think it's because everyone finds different things funny, and when you get the average funniest joke, it's not not funny, but it also probably won't make you laugh.
2: My name is Mike Sachs.
0: Mike wrote, and here's the kicker, conversations with 21 top humor writers on their craft.
2: These jokes that you read in the the world's oldest joke book or Aristophanes' plays, they're all tethered, they're all connected to character, and they still remain fresh because it's based on human attitude and sensibility. You know, if you write a joke today about Trump and and if someone were to read it in a thousand years, it wouldn't mean a thing, but if you wrote about farting and your wife wasn't happy with that, I guarantee you if someone discovered that joke a thousand years from now, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they <find> that <laughs> yeah.
0: Even though these jokes might be timeless in nature, other than sitting around the campfire with your dad, you rarely hear them anymore.
2: My generation, I think was the first generation to sort of turn their backs to that sort of thing. If you were at a, at a party, you wouldn't gather everyone and tell them a joke. You know, it seems almost borscht from another time. I don't think that joke jokes ever are going to disappear. I just think, you know, you're not going to tune into TV and watch Playboy after dark.
3: The other night I was here in the bar and uh, I overheard a couple guys talking to each other. One of them says, well, you know, I may be old fashioned, but I never slept with my wife before I got married. Mm-hmm. How about you? And the second guy says, um, I don't know. What's your wife's maiden name?
2: <laughs> I can see why they went out of favor, fading out in the 60s when things were getting crazy, assassinations and racism was coming to the fore, you know, a Vietnam War. I don't think they're coming back. I think, you know, it's almost like, to me, a barbershop quartet type style or, you know, early 20th century marching band. I mean, it'll be around. I just don't see people going, a lot of people going to those type of events where, where jokes like that are being told. Now that I get older myself, I kind of, I like these jokes and I like them a lot. And I don't know if I would ever tell them, but, I love to read them because when I hear them, when someone's telling me one, um, I never know when to laugh. I, I always, there's too much pressure on me. I prefer just to read these little haiku type jokes.
0: Now it's around Hanukkah time. I've been at this joke writer stuff for three months now, and I've got a few things to share with my producer, Harry Nelson. Here we go. A screw walks into a bar and takes a seat. He orders the usual. The bartender says, you've been here a lot lately. Is anything wrong? The screw takes a sip of his drink and says, I'm really in a downward spiral. That's good. Is it actually? I mean, I get what I get where you're going for. Did you hear about the duck that ran for president? No. He was a real quack. Okay. See, the problem with that, I think, is that a quack, quack is usually related to doctors. Uh, what's the difference between me and a cucumber? I don't know. What is it? I can get out of a pickle. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, I gotta laugh. You actually like that one. Usually people roll their eyes at that one. I, mean, I, I feel that's that, like four people, and everyone's like, uh. Oh. I think that's my that's this is my version of that reaction. I think it's I think it's fun. It's another one that, like, sort of, it's just sort words that are related more than it is, like, a joke that follows any sort of logic. He would then go on to compare my joke-telling ability to a Twitter account that shares jokes written by children. They follow the structure of a joke, but the child has not yet learned that it needs to sort of make sense. It can't just be a, a, collect- a collection of words. He was even nice enough to give an example. Why didn't the donkey want anyone to ride him? Why? Because he wanted to party. Are you seeing the the relation here? Yeah, yeah. These are the kind of jokes that are so bad that I almost think I'm missing something. I don't know what to do. I can write a joke. I know I can write a joke. I've made people laugh before. But writing a joke that's supposed to be passed along and told as a cult classic is... It's really fucking hard. Now I understand why the chicken crossed the five-lane highway. So if I, the creator of Five Lane Highway Chicken Joke, couldn't come up with something that people would use, maybe I should seek advice from professional comedians.
4: Hi, it's just me, Paula Poundstone, a stand-up comic, writer, and podcaster.
0: So I challenged myself to write a joke that circles the world and comes back to me.
4: Geez, that's a that's a tall order. My English teacher from high school, who I'm still close with, actually did have that experience. Her husband is a golfer and she does not golf, but she'll occasionally go with him just for the hell of it. She went with him one time and he took a couple of swings at a ball, I guess, that were very good. You know, he hit the ball a long ways or whatever it was you're supposed to do with stupid golf. But it wasn't during the game. So she had said to him, she said, well, that one look good. And he said, well, yeah, but it doesn't count. And she said, well, none of it counts. <laughs> so one day they were at another golf place and someone told that same story Wow! to them. really? Yeah, none of it counts. Boy, she was right about that too.
0: Unfortunately, my husband doesn't golf, but something like a golf joke could be perfect because in order for it to get passed along, it needs to come up in conversation.
2: Like we heard from Mike earlier. If you were at a a party, you wouldn't gather
4: everyone and tell them a joke. It can't be a boutique joke, because it has to be something that is all around us all the time, I think, for it to come up between two people in such a way as that it will be passed along. And it's
0: this that's gotten me stuck. It's so difficult to think of something that works in all these situations that's genuinely funny. And I'm not the only one who it's tripped up.
4: I don't think I could come up with anything. I mean, I'll give it some thought. But the thing about comedy is, I would argue that no one knows. You you think of something, and you tell it to a crowd, and you you hope it's effective. But who knows?
0: But maybe a different world-famous stand-up comedian would. (laughs) Pete Holmes, everybody. (laughs) Hello.
3: Hello. Can you see me at all? <laughs> I can't. I cannot see you.
0: Of course you can't, Pete. It's a podcast. No one can. So I'm, trying to I'm just going to skip point over the part where I, I tell Pete point 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 what my mission is. You already know at this point. Let's just get into it.
3: I'm trying to think. The only advice I would have is to study, which I'm sure you're already doing, the most popular ones. I know they did an NPR about the most popular joke in America, And I don't even really like it, but it's two hunters are hunting. And blah, 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 we already know this. Bang, now what? So I was sort of surprised that that joke was the most popular. Trying to think of
0: a a joke on itself. It's like, where do you even tell a joke? You know? Never. The last time I think I heard someone ask me a joke was like someone who
3: we'd call an uncle who wasn't really our uncle. And it's like, hey kid. Nobody even wants to lend their attention to that. I mean, they're too long. So you need to identify a phenomenon that's happening that every, like what's what happens on zoom calls that everybody knows the video freezes or whatever. What is the funniest thing you can say? Cause when do you tell jokes,
4: but if you can make it
3: a circumstantial joke, like you should see the other guy, somebody made up, you should see the other guy. That's a fucking phenomenon. And the first time you said it, people died laughing. So Jokes are boring, nobody cares, but tension is unpleasant. If I have a black eye and I can say, you can see the other guy, I've employed the best part of humor, which is I've relieved tension. I've made myself high status. I was low status, I was a guy with a black eye. Now I'm high status, I'm making you all laugh. So find a situation where people feel tension that you can have a quick line. I think you have a shot at getting a joke uh, in in the uh, zeitgeist.
0: When we return, I try to relieve some tension, and hopefully launch a joke into the zeitgeist. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and, 6-1 since that matters, and, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. Okay, so remember before the ad break when I said that I was gonna launch a joke into the zeitgeist? When we return, I launch a joke into the zeitgeist. Well, I have a bit of a confession to make. So we made this whole episode, but we didn't actually think of a joke. So we decided to hire someone. We got Martin Urbano, stand-up comedian, very funny guy. I'll play a clip of him right now.
5: My name is Martin Urbano, but you can call me by my street name, Martin
0: Avenue. (laughs) As you can see, I mean here, he's right up my alley. I begin by telling him the current funniest joke in the world. Two hunters, blah, blah, blah. So he shoots him and then says, now what? And that's the joke. We need to write something that's better than that. OK. <laughs> and- Somehow I think we can. We began by going through our current jokes and seeing if we could modify anything.
5: Do you have any leads? Do you have any jokes that you're like, uh, I like this one, but it's not quite there yet?
0: Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so- OK. Next, we looked at our notes to see if there was anything funny. As you know, I've been carrying around a yellow notepad since the Paul Poundstone interview.
5: Wait, you don't think that all my uh, Trump looks like a Cheeto jokes are really going to, like, stand the test of a couple years from now?
0: I've, I've, for a long time, I've been trying to think about
5: a 9-11 joke. We could talk Hitler. Maybe One there's of something. my favorites. Maybe there's a Hitler.
0: One <laughs> of you, your favorite what? There wasn't really anything there either, so we had to start from
5: scratch. I think we really need to start with an epic punchline. Okay. What is an epic punchline? Ari, go. Uh, an epic punchline, man. What, what's something you like making fun of, Ari? What's something Ooh, that like, something what? That yeah.
0: A Tom Brady.
5: Tom Brady, oh, yes. a football player. Hmm. Sex is a good one.
0: I don't know, I've never really felt comfortable with sex jokes, I feel like you shouldn't tell them until you've had it, so. Oh, nice. <sighs> This, this is this is tough. I, I after about thirty minutes, we finally just stumbled upon something. Fortune cookie jokes could be good. You know, my sister once got a fortune cookie that said, "Please do not eat this fortune."
5: Oh, I like that one.
0: Of course, we didn't find that out until it came out the other end.
5: Oh, there we go. Now that's now that's a joke right there. That's a joke. Is that is that something that uh, actually happened? Here? I just came up with the ending to that one. <laughs>
2: Did you really?
5: Really? Holy shit, Ari! I am
0: impressed. Now that's a joke. the joke on live Zoom. Unfortunately, that joke just doesn't really work in this case. It's writing a joke in a very specific
5: format without changing the up the format because as soon as you change it, it loses its it loses what it's all about.
0: This meant that we were going back to the drawing board.
5: This is hard, Ari. You you picked a hard task.
0: It's very hard. Everyone.
5: I asked Paul Poundstone and she's like,
4: I don't think I could come up with anything. I mean, I'll give it some thought.
5: This is a tough one. You, you've tasked yourself with a damn near impossible
0: task. I would regard this as the most difficult thing I have ever done in my life.
5: Because that's a dream for comedians. It's to come up with a street joke, a joke that is so easily shareable that anybody can tell. It's like a performance, you know? You see somebody tell a street joke and you're like, look, they're fucking performing right now. They're doing like a little show. It's a little story time. I feel like I'm sitting around
0: a campfire in ancient times, about to hear a tale, a fable. So far, i had been on the phone with Martin for two hours. Much, much longer than any interview I'd done before. I'd been at this for six months. I couldn't even get anything from Pete Holmes advice of making some kind of response line. I, I had nothing.
5: It almost feels like a lot of these jokes are like lightning in a bottle and that's why they they pick up so good. Although I have heard a bunch of bad street jokes and I feel like those are the ones that are manufactured Mm -hmm. and those never make me laugh. I have to believe that a lot of it comes out of just like magic and then it just got kind of polished as time went on. At the end of the call, Martin and I
0: decided that we didn't have a joke, but we did have part of a joke. And that's as much as we came up with. We created the perfect joke setup. This is how it goes. Three people rush into a bathroom. A bartender who's taken too many shots and has to pee. A nurse who's just seen something disgusting and is about to throw up. And a submarine captain who blank. That's the part you have to come up with. And believe me, I know it's not easy, but who better to try their hand at the punchline first than our old friend, Mr. Adam McKay. As I know, you like to guess punchlines, right? Yep. So I was thinking, give this one a shot. All right. I tell Adam the joke and let him loose on the punchline. Oh
1: my God. All right. So
0: you've got piss,
1: vomit. And so we're missing a crap and we're missing ejaculation. Submarine captain. Take your time. Well, I can think of some bad punchlines, but I think, like, if you've worked with these people, it's not going to be that bad. So it's going to be somewhat clever. Oh, man.
0: I don't know. Well, the truth is we don't have one. Oh. Uh,
1: I, yeah. like I like your setup a lot. I like that it's kind of a new scenario because we've heard, like, people on a plane and there's only two parachutes. We've heard people walking into bars. We've heard like these different settings. The idea of rushing into a bathroom is a good like common human experience.
0: As you know, from listening to this episode, all of that was, I can't say meticulously planned, but there, you know, it's poo, it'll it will be around forever. Maybe we need to create a moment of confrontation and tension. Adam's brain had started ticking and it was not gonna stop until it came up with a joke.
1: It's a uh, EMT who just saw something horrifying. Person in the Bernie T-shirt said, "There should really be more than one toilet. If this, if this place was, pre- if this bus station was properly funded, there'd be more than one toilet." And then throws up all
0: over over yeah, <laughs> three of them.
1: We're getting close. We're getting close to something.
0: I've tried. I've tried to stay away from uh, like current politicians. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're right. You're right. You're right. A politician and a priest. A politician and a and a mega church preacher this isn't right, but like, you can piss all you want. I just stole your wallet. (laughs) Here's another way to do it too, is what's the best joke joke you've ever heard?
0: No matter how much I tried to just end this episode with the audience trying to figure out the punchline, he wouldn't let up. I have another scenario.
1: Woman and a guy have been talking on the internet for two years and puts her hand right on his crotch and says, is this what you've been waiting for? Uh, No, actually I ordered the shrimp cocktail, but this is better. I'm a representative (laughs) of the people. I have to give a speech in 20 minutes to uphold our democracy and support our country. I have to go first. And then the third guy opens up his fly, pisses over, pisses all over the other two guys
0: and says, wait, okay, this is what it should be. Uh, So you have, you got the two very virtuous people
1: third guy undoes his fly, pisses all over both of them and says, my name's Ted Cruz, leaves the bathroom.
0: (laughs) You know, I think think that this actually could be really good. Should we test it? Yeah, why not? All right, let me get my daughter, hold on. A few moments later, I found myself in a room through video chat with not one, but two stars of the 2007 critically acclaimed comedy sketch, The Landlord.
1: This is Pearl Ari.
3: Hi.
1: Hello. I'll tell the joke. Three guys go running into a bathroom.
3: You will have to wait if you want to hear the meat and potatoes, but here's the punchline.
1: Third guy undoes his fly, turns to the other two, sprays urine all over them, says, my name's Ted Cruz, runs out of the bathroom.
4: I'm a little confused, but I like it. No,
1: what are you confused about? We just wrote it, so we're trying to. Well, it's just, it's
4: just he's Ted Cruz, so he's Ted Cruz, so he just pisses on
1: them. Yeah, because he's the worst guy on planet Earth.
4: Yeah, no, it's funny.
0: Well, I can agree that Ted Cruz is not one of the most widely liked people, I'm not quite sure he has the longevity of something like farting. However, this joke is completely interchangeable. Is there, is there some slight modification of that? Like, is there someone that is more universally hated than, say, a politician? I mean, to me, the most hated
1: job on earth is meter mate. I mean, I think that's, no one gets angrier at, they know they're not getting rich, that's the only thing. Oh, oh, wait, I got it. I got it. I'm a banker. Oh, that's good. The reason Big Short did so well was everyone hates bankers. So I even had right-wing shows wanting me on when I did
0: the Big Short. Everyone hates bankers. So we switched out Ted Cruz for bankers, and I sent Adam on his way. All right, man. Good joke. I think we did a good job.
1: I think we have a great job. Thank you for, uh, for leaving us with something. My absolute pleasure,
0: man. And here's the joke. Three people rush into a bathroom. They all have to pee very badly, but there's only one toilet. The first guy says, I'm a scientist working on a vaccine that could save millions of lives. I need to get back to work. I deserve to go first. The second guy says, I'm a professor. I have a lecture in five minutes teaching the world leaders of tomorrow. I deserve to go first. The third guy pulls down his pants, pisses all over them and says, I'm a banker. The stock market opens in five minutes. Have a nice day.
2: Ah, <laughs> yes.
4: Oh, my God. Okay, I like it. That's good. I like it.
2: That's funny.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's good.
0: Genuinely, or are you just saying that to get me off the line? No, that I was, I was actually funny. I appreciated that. Is that an original? Those are my friends. I think they liked it. But no one liked it nearly as much as my dad.
2: (laughs) That's good, Ari.
0: So yeah, after six months and conversations with comedians that I, I honestly still don't know how we got them on the show, we had a joke. And now I would really appreciate it if you shared it with all your friends. So step outside your comfort zone, get ready for no one to laugh, And hopefully, eventually, this joke will come right back to me. Thanks for listening. Things You Don't Need to Know is a Hyper Object and 3 Uncanny 4 production. The show is hosted and written by me, Ari Kagan, and produced by Harry Nelson and also me. Additional help from Shane McKeon and Nuna Sharafadine. Our executive producers are Adam McKay and Laura Mayer. The show is mixed by Nice Manners. If you like Things You Don't Need to Know, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts, and hit subscribe. Also, if you find a minute to leave a review, it would be greatly appreciated. This show is taking a two-week break, so we'll be back in two weeks with ten more episodes. So yeah, see you then. Or hear you. I don't know. Sounds weird.